Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Every New Year's Eve, every New Year's Eve at 11.59 p.m., over a billion people across the world will be watching as the ball drops in New York City's Times Square. Over a billion people. Now, again, most of us, right? You guys grew up, and most of us, if not all of us, has watched that ball drop at one time or another, right? For some of you, you remember it was on TV, and it was Dick Clark, and some of you don't know who Dick Clark is, and that's okay, because now it's Ryan Seacrest, but you watched it. You sat there, no matter what time zone you were at, you're like, there it is! And they would count down, and you'd be like, yay, Happy New Year, and whatever you did, but you saw the ball drop on Times Square. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? And and I, this event, honestly, on TV has been, it's been a big part of my life ever since I was little, ever since, you know, they invented TV. I mean, that's just kind of how it is, and I thought, I started thinking about this. I started thinking, like, when did it start? Like, the, the whole ball thing, you know, like it's a big deal. And listen, I get it. People in New York and Times Square, they're out partying. They're not really caring about the ball. But I started thinking, what about, what is that all about? You know, seriously. And so I did some digging of sorts. I was like, want to find out, right? See, because at Calvary Chapel, it's, it, it's not only spiritual, it's informative. You take home something you didn't know, and that's always good. And so um, labor with me for just a moment. I want to I wanna go over uh, some of the things that I found intriguing. You go, what's that? Well, like number one, the first time, the first time ball was actually installed on the top of England's Royal Observatory in Greenwich in 1833. So it actually started way, way back. I mean, 1833 in England. Well, of course, everybody kind of caught on, and after success of that event, approximately 150 such time balls were installed around the world. People say, hey, that's cool, let's, let's do that. And of course, a few survived, and, and some still work. And then the tradition carried on over to places like, I don't know if you know this, but the United States Naval Observatory in Washington, where a... Time ball descends from a flagpole at noon every each day. So that goes on every single day. And of course, we have the infamous, right, the ball, right, the New Year's in Times Square, which marks 10, 9 at the stroke of midnight. Happy New Year. Well, here's what I found out, and I found it was interesting. New York actually held a New Year celebration as early as 1904. So it goes way, way, way back. But it wasn't until 1907 that they dropped an iron and wood ball adorned. And here's what they did. They took this iron and wood ball and they adorned it with a 125-watt bulbs. And it was basically five feet in diameter and it weighed 700 pounds. So in 1907, they said, we're going to take the 700-pound ball and we're going to drop. And I thought that was interesting. Now, from 1907 even until today, and tonight if you stay up and you're like, oh, I'm tired, you know, well, don't forget, you can stay up till 11 and it'll be done in New York. But from that day until today, it has dropped every single year except, check this out, 1942 and 1943, where we had the world, the, the city's World War II, they called it the dim outs. And so that's the only two years that it didn't drop. 
But, but since then, I mean, crowds were still gathered in Times Square during those years, even though it didn't drop, but they greeted in the new year, but actually followed with a moment of silence, at, well, silence with chimes ringing out there in Times Square. Well, over the years, the time ball has undergone about four different redesigns. The most recent one was actually created in 2000, and it was, uh, it was basically the millennial celebration. And um, basically what they did is they took this um, geodesic sphere, they made it six feet in diameter, and now it weighs about 1,000 pounds as opposed to 700. But here's what they've done that I found interesting. In this ball, they've covered this ball, okay, that's now 1,000 pounds that, that they've redesigned, they've covered it with triangles, 504 triangles that they call triangles of hope. So on this ball, you have 504 triangles, and basically they all have a different designation. Like, you'll have a triangle that says, hope for fellowship, hope for peace, hope for wisdom, hope for unity, hope for courage, hope for healing. You have 504 triangles doing what? Calling out for hope. And I thought that was interesting. As a matter of fact, do you know that the name of the ball itself is this? It's called the Star of Hope. So here's my thought. Every year at 1159, we will watch this giant ball in New York City come down. And for a lot of people, it's the Star of Hope. And I'm thinking, why would they call it the Star of Hope? And it is simply because, church, listen, every year at this time, it's a time of hope. It's a time of opportunity, right? It's a time for people to grasp hold of the future and the destiny. We're not looking back anymore. We're looking forward. Listen, for a lot of people, I understand it's the party. I understand it's the drinking. I understand tomorrow morning is like, oh, I don't feel good, whatever happens. But for a lot of people, they're looking at that ball as a symbol of their life needs to change. There needs to be hope. But what I found, and you guys know this, But our true hope is not found in a ball on New Year's Eve. It's not found in a triangle with lights on it. Our true hope is found only in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I mean by that, okay? I say a personal relationship because the key word is relationship. We all have relationships, right? We know relationships. It's much, much more than just going, listen, I prayed a prayer one day. I bought a t-shirt. I got a bumper sticker. I think I'm a Christian. That's what I'm going to do. Our true hope is in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And a relationship is far deeper than what we normally just, we just talk about. When we normally just go, well, I'm a Christian and I believe and I believe. A relationship is far deeper. Think about the relationship you have with your spouse. Think about that, right? As a matter of fact, you know, because I have a relationship with Nathalie, she knows that there are certain looks on my face. She knows what I'm thinking even before I even think them. You know what I'm talking about? It's just that look. And she's like, oh, men, we know that when our wives say something, even though it doesn't make sense, we understand what they're saying. You know what I'm talking about? My wife says, honey, are you going to leave that rug on the fence? What is she saying? Don't leave that rug on the fence, right? We know this. How do we know this? Because we have a relationship. We know each other. We talk. Now, you two will get there. I understand that. But anyways, you know, I mean, you know that, right? You know the look that she gives you when you're like, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. 
It's that look. Why do you have that look? You have a relationship. And, and the relationship we have as God is more than, I'm a Christian, hallelujah. It's, oh, I, I know him, and he knows me. And, and we have this relationship, and I get to talk to the God of the universe, and he listens to me, and he talks to me, and I feel him. And we have this relationship. And when I'm driving down the road, I'm talking. People think I'm crazy because I'm talking to God. God, how's it going, man? I'm having a great day. Lord, and I just pray for them. And wow, look at that, Lord. What great sunsets you have. And people are like, what is he doing? Is he singing? It's because we have a what? A relationship. And true hope comes, guys, from a personal relationship. And here's my plea to you. If you don't have that relationship, you need to get it. You need to have a relationship. You see... Most people think and most people understand hope as wishful thinking, as in, I hope something will happen. You see, they take hope and they don't understand it, and they're just going, I, I just, I, I hope this will happen this year. I hope this will happen. I'm really hoping that it'll be a change, but, but listen, jot this down. The biblical definition of hope is this. It's confident expectation. Confident expectation. Hope is a firm assurance regarding things that are unclear and unknown. It's not you kind of crossing your fingers and crossing your toes and going, God, I hope 2018 and 19 and 20 is going to be good. I hope so. I wish. And we're not wishing upon a star, if you will. When you wish upon a... That's not our hope. You see, a biblical definition is we have this confident expectation. Confident expectation. We're not just hoping something will happen. Why is that? Listen, hope for us is the fundamental component in the life of those who are righteous, in the righteousness, right? As a matter of fact, Proverbs 23 and 18 says this, you will be rewarded for this. What is that? Your hope will not be disappointed. What's he saying? He says, without hope, life loses meaning. That's a good place for an amen. And death, there is no hope. Right? The righteous who trust and put their hope in God will be helped. And they will not be confounded, put to shame, or disappointed. The righteous who have trusted hope in God have a general confidence in God's protection and help and are free from fear and anxiety. So let me say this to you, church. Our hope, our hope, our hope is not in a triangle with lights that drops and signifies a new beginning. Our hope today is a confident expectation that God is already in the future. That God is already in 2018. You and I were standing here. It's December 31st, 2007. God's already there. And he's waiting for us with confident and we're with confident expectations. We can leave here going, all right. All right, I got this. So, the apostle, understanding this, he wants to teach us some things, right? So if you're taking note, he understands that our confident expectations comes from three things. You go, what is it? Number one, jot this down. Paul's going to tell us we need to forget the past. We need to forget in the past. He's going to say, let that thing go. Well, pastor, I had a really good 2017. Amen. Forget about it. I had a horrible 2018 or 17. Forget about it. 
Let it go. The second thing, he says, you're forgetting the past. The second he says, we need to reach forward. We need to keep moving forward. We need to keep moving forward. And you're going to see how that plays out. And number three, he says, I want you to press toward what? The upward call of Christ. Now, if you're taking notes, guys, Philippians chapter three, just these two verses, is telling us that we right now, today, have the opportunity to lay hold of our destiny in our future. We have that opportunity. Because this coming new year, guys, our hope and our future depends on one thing. You go, what's that? That you keep running the race. That you keep running the race. Now listen, I understand, not that we've all got it together. Not that we all got it, not that we all have it made. But what he says is, the one thing we do is to continue to run the race we're in. For you see, it is a race of hope. Hope for what? What are we hoping for? We're not wishing. We're not crossing our fingers. We're not just, we're hoping. We have this confident expectation for what? For a better 2018. Hope for a better life. Now, let me say this for you. Hope for a better story to tell. You go, what do you mean? When my wife got cancer two years ago, and she's and she has, by the grace of God, just, just, moved in his strength. She says this. She says, how do I know my best days are not ahead of me? How do I know that? I know, right? Because why? Because she wants a hope for a better future. She's saying goodbye to the past, right? So hope for what? A better story to tell. A better story. Never, guys, rest in serving God. We don't go, hey, okay, <laughs> I'm going to take a break. Been serving God long. No, 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 no. Listen, we don't. Listen, even if problems come your way, move on. Can I just say this? Problems will come your way in 2018. Move on. You go, well, well even if people try to destroy your faith, hold on. That's what the enemy wants to do. For as long as there's, for as long as God is there, there will always be a light, a hope, a way. Make every moment full of love and hope from God. So Paul reminds us, guys, in his letter to the Philippians, there are two basic, what, motivating forces. You ready? Two basic motivating forces. You, what are they? Number one, fear. Number two, love. Fear and love. You know, what do you mean? Well, let's talk about fear for a moment. Listen, when we're afraid, here's what we do. We pull back from life. When there's fear in our life, we pull back. Okay, I don't know if I want to do this life thing. And we pull back from life. And when we're afraid, here's what we do, church. We focus on the past. When we're afraid, we focus on the past. Now, when we're afraid, listen, we all tend to simply exist. We're not living anymore. We're not moving forward. We're just existing. What do you mean? I wake up, I do the same thing every day. I really just, ugh. Why? Well, I'm just so fearful. Why? Because we have two motivating forces, right? Fear. Well, what about love? What about love, right? Well, when we learn to love biblically, right? When we have this confident expectation, guys, we open up to a life, all that life has to offer us, passion, excitement, and, and acceptance. What do you mean? Well, love helps us to forgive and move forward. Love gives us a hope and a confident expectation that God's already there. Love allows us to experience life in a whole new way. 
And so you've got to take a step back and go, okay, am I, am I living my life through fear or am I living my life through love? Listen to what Paul writes in verse 14. He says, I press toward the goal for the prize of what, Paul? The upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What's he reminding? He's reminding us that it is love that motivates us to run after all that God has for us. It's love. He says, come on, that's the motivation. And so when I'm looking at a message like this, I said, well, here's what I need to call this. I need to call this hope, a confident expectation. You need to go, why, Pastor? For today we discover that as we approach 2018, we're not left hopeless, but we have a hope that God is going to do some amazing things in our lives. Do you believe that? Do you believe God's going to do incredible things more than he's ever? Listen, let me ask you this. Do you believe the best is yet to come? Amen. Philippians chapter 3. Let me give you just a quick background. Paul is writing to a church in Philippi, right? He's, it's called the Philippians. It was a city, small city founded by King Philip there in Macedonia. Now, the main theme is this. Now, I want you to look back at your life in 2017, 16, 15, whatever you want to do. And like for me, like there was some really good, there was some really good stuff. I mean, there was like, we went to Israel. We were, I was teaching in Florida. We laid out at the beach. It was amazing. There was some good stuff, but there was also some heartache and some, some rough stuff that I had to go through. Right? And a lot of us can go, yeah, I can kind of agree. Some of us will go, man, 2017 was like awesome. And others are like, ah, it really stunk. Here's the theme of Philippians. Okay. The theme of Philippians is really simple. It's the epistle of joy and encouragement, even in, in the midst of adverse circumstances. So Paul says, listen, we can have joy, we can have encouragement, we can have, help me church, confident expectations, even though sometimes life is a real bummer, like a real drag. Okay, so I got to, I got to understand what Paul is saying. And that's where we pick up our story, guys, in chapter 3, verse 12. Paul writes, not that I have already attained... Or I am already perfected. Here's what he says. But I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid a hold of me. Now, here's what you would think. You would think, okay, this is Paul, right? We got to chat with Paul. The dude is like, he like wrote most of the New Testament. And you would think, man, like he's like spiritually mature. Like, like if you were going to play, you know, Bible trivia with Paul, you'd be like, I'm out. I'm on, I'm on the C team, never going to make the team, never going to see the field. Paul is like A team and because and, he's spiritually mature. That's what we would think of the Apostle Paul. Am I right? But Paul comes to us, right, in his letter, and he says, guys, listen, I don't want you to think that I have it all together. I don't want you to think that I've already been perfected. I don't want you to think that I'm, hey, how you doing? Apostle Paul knew everything about the Bible. Met Jesus on the road to Damascus. It was awesome. I was blinded for three days, but that's cool. Paul's going to you and I. He's saying, listen, listen, I'm not there. I'm not there. I'm still pressing on. It was the, it was the um, commentator, Mueller, who wrote this. Listen, quote, just as a little child is a perfect human being, but still is far from perfect in all his development as a man. So the true child of God is also perfect in all parts, although yet not perfect in all stages of his development of faith, unquote. You know, what do you, what do you, what, 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 what do you mean? Now, now, here's what I want you all to know. Paul writes to you and I, and he says, I press on, I press on. 
Listen, here's what we got to check. Do I have a heart that's still willing to learn? Do I have a heart that's still willing to grow? There's a lot of people that go, man, I've been in church since I was in second grade. But are you still willing? Do you still have a heart? That's, I mean, the Apostle Paul is saying, I'm still moving forward. I press on. I'm still wanting to learn. And I hope if we make it and, 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 and we live to 70, 80 years old, we're going, God, I'm still learning from you. This is amazing. Because we've never, what? We've, we haven't made it yet. We haven't made it yet. And he says, I press on. And you're going, well, pastor, what does it mean? What does it mean to press on? Well, here's what he's going to tell us. It means we must forget the past. We must forget about the past and embrace what God wants us next year. And we must hold on to hope. Hold on to hope. Let me illustrate it this way, guys. When Spain, the country of Spain, led the world back in the 15th century, her coins reflected her national arrogance and were inscribed ne plus ultra, which means nothing further, meaning that Spain was the ultimate in all the world. After the discovery of the new world, she realized that she, Spain, was not at the end of the world, so she changed the inscription of her coin to read this, plus ultra, meaning more beyond. And I thought that's interesting. Why? Because in the same pattern, some Christians' lives say nothing further, while others say more beyond, more beyond. And here's what I'd like to encourage you with today. Could we be a church Could we be a church that says more beyond? We don't want to get to the place where we go, nothing further. This is it. All right. We got, we got X amount of chairs in here. Warm. All right. Got lights. Amen. No, no, no. We want to be a church that says more beyond, more beyond. What can we do? Well, how does that happen? Our lives have to be We have to have that plus ultra. We have to say, in my life, I want to see all that God has for me. Don't be satisfied where you are with Jesus right now. Don't say, hey, I've learned it all. I've done it. I'm good. I understand grace. Jesus died for me. Amen. And we just live the same boring life over and over. We got to say, I want want something more. I want something. What does God have for me? I'm excited. This is going to be crazy. This is going to be hard work. Yes, but I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. Why? Because your life, your mantra should be what? Should be more beyond. What does God have outside these walls? What does he want to do? What does he want to do with our church? Why? How can we reach Lubbock, Texas with the gospel? How can we? Well, it takes individuals to get excited inside. It takes individuals like you and I to get all wrapped up in revival and say, God, you can do something. I'm, I'm, I'm super stoked. Let's go, God. What do you want to do? And here's what it says. It takes a unselfishness person to go, I'm willing to be used by God, whatever you want to do in Jesus' name, amen. It means sacrifice. I'm in. I'm in. Guys, let's be a church that says, what does God want to do? Well, he wants to do more than we think. He wants to do more. We limit God. We limit God. And you go, well, pastor, I I got a question, right? If we want to pray and all that more that God wants to do, how do we do that? Well, first of all, we got to keep our core values, right? 
What's our core values? Guys, it's to love God. That's the first thing. That's our core value. We want to love God more than anything. And here's what I want to say by that. I want you to love God from the very tips of your toes to the top of your head. I don't want him to be a part of your life or number. God is number one in my life because then that means two, three, four, and five are always vying for number one. He needs to be all of your life. When you say, I love God, that means completely, wholeheartedly, you are in the pool. I love God. I love God. Nothing is going to take that away. Nothing is going to take that love away. I love God. You have to say this in your life. God is enough. God is enough. If nothing else happens in 2018 in your life financially or anything else, you can say God is enough. If you were to take your final breath tonight, listen to me, you can say God is enough. That's how much you love God. The second thing is we need to what? Our core values love people. Love people. God has called us to love people. Love people back to life. Loving on them, not judging them, right? We don't want to be a church that shoots our own wounded. Somebody comes in and goes, I'm sinning. Oh, really? Sit right there. Done. That's not us. We want to go, we love you, man. We love you. How can we help you? Now, if you want to run off for a season and get all yicky and yucky in the world and full of sin, we'll still love you. We'll be here with open arms, but we're going to love you. We're going to love you through that. That's our core value. And the third thing is... Live radically. Aren't you guys tired of safe? Aren't you tired of safe? Right? I lived 80, I lived 80 years and it was pretty good. I want to live radically. I, 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 I don't know about you. I want to see God do things in my life where I scratch my head and go, it had to be God. How did this happen? It was God. How did that, how did you, how did your little church get a radio station? I don't know. It had to be God. It had to be God. How did you guys get this built? Whatever it is, right? Whatever. Building, whatever God wants to do. And we just, we just live radically. We just live so radical. You live so radical that people are just looking at you like this. Don't you want people to look at you like this all the time? What's, what's wrong with you? I just love Jesus. Just smile. If you guys just smiled at people, they just, they'd just be like, what are you up to? I just love Jesus. I love Jesus too. Really? Cool. Let's go do some. No, I don't love Jesus that way. No, no, no. Let's go. Let's go. Love God. Love people. Live radically. Pastor, how do we do this? How do we do this? I'm glad you asked, right? Because Paul gives us the answers. Look at verse 13. Paul says, brethren, family, I do not count myself to what? To have apprehended. I, I don't have it all together. But one thing I do. What is that, Paul? Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I love this. Why? Because here's what Paul says. Paul says, family, listen, I don't want you to understand. I, I, don't, I, I, I do not count myself as like apprehended. Here's what I want you to see. I've had people come in this church, look around and go, man, it looks like this church has it all together. They don't know the problems I have. And I laugh because I'm like, we're a bunch of misfits. Are you kidding me? How can you say we're together? I mean, we, yeah, we got it. We're a church. We got it all together, man. We're just like spiritually. We're not. We're going, you don't understand. You don't understand, man. If you knew, Paul says, listen, I, I don't have it all together. And I'm glad you don't have it all together. Could you imagine if we all had it all together, how boring life would be? Man. But he says this, the first thing we need to do, you guys ready? Forget those things which are what? Behind us. What do we need to forget? 
Well, here's the first thing we need to do. We need to remember what God has done and rejoice in that. Okay, there's some good things that God has done. Praise the Lord. You go, amen. But those things which need to be forgotten, leave them behind. Leave them behind. Okay, if you're taking notes, jot this down. Okay, 2017 is a life in the rearview mirror. It's a life in the rearview mirror. Why? You can't go back. Think about your rearview mirror. How small is it? It's very small, and all it's designed to do is show you a little bit of where you've been. But your windshield is so big because it wants to show you where you're going. And that's what we want to do, right? We want to forget those things. Life in the rearview mirror. You go, well, pastor, I got a question. What are some things that we should leave behind? Well, if you're taking note, check this out. The first thing I think we need to leave behind is worldly pursuits. Worldly pursuits. Now, you go, whoa, 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 hold up. Are you saying, like, I can't have any hobbies? Like, I can't play golf or fish? No, no, no. I'm talking, here's what I'm talking when I say worldly pursuits, okay? The Bible says you're a new creation. Therefore, all things in the past are gone. Behold, all things are new. So, in 2018, we should pursue the things of the Lord, things that will be closer to him, right? Every year at this time, there's a couple of things that happens. You'll get people that talk about what? New Year's resolutions, right? I'm going to have a new resolution. And you'll, at 1159, you go, that's it. I'm not going to eat chocolate in all of 2018. And by 1201 tomorrow afternoon, you've already had two pieces. Broken your new New Year's resolution. That's not what I'm talking about. The second thing that happens is the gym, right? Everybody's going to go to the gym. That's okay. Go to the gym. But worldly pursuits is anything that's going to keep you from growing closer to God. Now, let me give you a good New Year's resolution. Read the Bible through in a year. Purpose to do that. You go, Pastor, sometimes I, I, I miss a few days. So what? It's okay. Keep going. Right? You're reading the Bible, you meant, I mean, you're like, January, I was awesome. February, March, April, I missed three days, and so I quit. Don't quit. There's days that you're going to miss. Keep going. Just pick up the next day. The Bible's an incredible thing. It just puts everything back together. That's a good resolution, right? Leaving what? Leaving worldly pursuits. Now, listen, pursuits could look different for different people. And I don't believe that they're all sinful activities, Instead, I believe it encompasses anything we strive for that takes away from or goes against God's purpose in our lives. You go, what else? Jot this down. Number two, let's, let's leave behind regret and condemnation. Regret and condemnation. Here's what I want to say to you. Listen to me. Listen, we've all made mistakes in life. We all have regrets, past sins, and failures. We all have. And if we can be honest in church, every day, guys, we fall short of what God has called us to be. Can we agree to that? And we don't, we don't walk in that, but man, we, we sure struggle in that. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to leave behind those things in the rearview mirror. You go, well, like what? Well, here's what I want you to do. You ready? Jot this down. We need to learn from our mistakes, and we need to strive continually to be that all that God has created you to be. But don't live in a place of self-condemnation. Don't live there, guys. If you are a, a tweeter, uh, Instagram, Facebook, 
Listen to this quote. Put this quote on there. I think it's amazing. Ready? God inspires us with conviction. Satan disables us with condemnation. God inspires us, guys, with conviction, but Satan will always disable us with condemnation. You didn't do that. You shouldn't do that. Guys, we're going to make mistakes, so what do we need to let go of? Regret and condemnation. The Bible says there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We put that on ourselves. We live that way. Are you going to make mistakes? Absolutely. Are you going to fumble? Yep. Are you going to punt when you should have passed? Yes. Thank God for the cross. Thank God for the cross. Listen, listen, guys, you can't, you can't control what's going to happen to you in 2018, but you sure can control how you feel about it. You can control how, how, what you're going to make of it. There are things that are beyond our control. Do, do I have any control freaks in the room that, like, just me? Okay, got it. Well, thank you. Appreciate your honesty. Yeah, everybody's pointing at each other. It's like, this dude right here. That's really, that's just hard when we want to control things, don't we? If I could, if you just listen to me control. I can't control it, and it's so frustrating. Why? Because you know what control breeds? Worry. And you know what happens when you worry? You want more control. And what does control breed? Worry. So if you're a control freak, you're probably a worry wart. Here's my point. My point is I, there's stuff I can't control anyway, so you know what? I only can control how I, how I feel. And so I think in 2018, we should get up and go, listen, I choose joy and peace and love. I choose to not let this affect me in the way it used to. I choose, I'm going to let go of what, guys? I'm going to let go of regret and condemnation. I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. Third thing, what do we need to let go of, guys? The past, resentments, and bitterness, right? God's word talks about uh, many times about forgiving those who've wronged us, okay? Now, now listen, here's a great quote that I want you to listen to or write it down if you can. When we, when we don't forgive each other for real in our hearts, now, now listen, when I say forgive, I don't mean you have to go to the person that hurt you so bad that you have to go be BFF and have, have meals together and have fun and, and all of that. I'm not talking about that, but I'm saying in your heart, you need to let it go. Why? Because listen to this quote, guys. Holding a grudge is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Bitterness in our hearts will spring up and grow. And, and if we don't just let go of that, right? Resentments, bitterness, I'm going to let go. That's 2017. Maybe some of us need to pray as we drive around. We go, Lord, heal my heart. I'm angry. I'm bitter. I'm, I'm hurt. God, help me to forgive and move forward in you. Now, again, guys, I'm not saying that the person that hurt you or the people that hurt you or whatever circumstance hurt you, that you have to embrace and have dinner with. You guys know what I'm talking about. But you need to let it go. Why? It'll trap you. And it'll be like you going, here's some poison. Ha <laughs> ha, wait till you die. And it slowly what? Kills you. The point I want to make, guys, is, is that we all make mistakes and we need to forgive those who have wronged us. Well, Pastor, it was intentional. I know. Pastor, they didn't. I get it. But for your heart today, 
Let it go. Let it go. Right? When it comes to our past, guys, we need to put it behind us. Listen to this illustration. Okay? Uh, newspaper editor speaking to a college graduating class asked this. How many of you have ever sawed wood? Right? And a lot of them raised their hands. How many of you, how many of you have ever sawed wood? Okay? Okay? Then he asked, how many of you have ever sawed sawdust? Nobody raised their hand. Of course, you can't saw sawdust, right? He exclaimed, it's already sawed. It's the same thing with the past. When you start worrying about things that are over and done with, you're merely trying to saw sawdust. It's like those great theologians. You know the theologians Pumbaa and Timon? Do you remember him from The Lion King? Yeah. Uh, this is a great quote from those theologians, right? Pumbaa says, it's like my buddy Timon always says, you got to put your behind in your past. And Timon says, no, 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 amateur, sit down before you hurt yourself. It's you've got to put your past behind you, behind you. They got it right. Paul says, forgetting what's past. We need to let go of 2017. It's gone. The next thing we must do, guys, is that we must do in hope, is reaching forward to those things which are ahead. We need to look forward, right? Well, let's break it down. What does it mean to reach forward? It means to move. Let me say this to you. The Christian who is not moving forward is going backward. Do you realize that? You go, no, I'm just, I'm just idle. I'm standing still. No, no, no. The Christian who's not moving forward is moving backward. Here's what it means. He who remains stationary goes nowhere. You know what I'm talking about? Any of you ever do a spin class? Spin class, right? You get in there and you get on the bike there and you get in a spin class and you're like, all right, put the little straps on and lights go on and you're in a room, right? And you start going, you start, and, and, and man, and, and, and it even gets hard, right? You turn it harder and, it, and they try to make you feel like you're going up a mountain, and then you say, let's turn it down. And so now you're spinning faster and you're sweating. And then it's like, whoo, you know what happens when you get done? You get off and you're at the same place. You didn't go anywhere. It's a stationary bike. Now, put that into your life. That's what he's saying. If you're not reaching forward, guys, then we're just simply spinning our wheels. We need to be reaching forward. It was Solomon who said this, guys, in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 4. He said this, Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. You know people like that, right? Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. I was going to go work outside today, but I think it's going to rain. See that little cloud way over there? No, nah, it's going to rain. And that's exactly, they're not moving forward, are they? They're not moving forward. We cannot run aimlessly, guys, without clear objectives. If we have no conviction of what God wants of us, we cannot go in certainty that we're pressing toward the goal, the goal of the upward prize. What does God want to do in 2018 for you? What does he really want to do? Search your heart and move forward in that. Don't let anybody drag you down. As I read this quote on a blog from the internet, and it goes like this, 
We need to have a reaching forward attitude in 2018. This attitude includes the ability to embrace the new and the things that lie before us. The Bible tells us that God has set before us an open door, but is no good staring at the door or camping at the door. We have to move through the door into the next thing that God has for us. Guys, we need to to quit camping at the door and say, okay, this is what we need to do. We need to move forward. We need to move forward. I've seen so many people camp at the door with the opportunity so long that when they eventually decide to move to the door, it's closed. We should be, guys, we should continually asking, continually be seeking, continually be what? I mean, just keep seeking and knocking and knocking and seeking and reaching forward continually, right? And this applies to all aspects of our lives. So what does Paul want us to do? He wants us to say goodbye. 2017 is gone. Okay. We had some good times. Uh, Yep. Had some bad times. Yeah. Yeah. It's gone. Everybody say it's gone. Can't get it back. Don't want it back. When I was growing up in Santa Fe, New Mexico, it was the weirdest thing. And I don't know if they do it here. I hadn't heard so much because I think it's against the law. But every year on New Year's Eve, they would shoot the new year away. They would, you'd hear guns going off. Boo, boo. Anybody remember that? I mean, I grew up, I mean, you know, which is really freaky because when bullets go up, they must come down. Right? So I'm thinking somebody in January 1st was like, got hit with a bullet. But anyways, the point was, the point was, the, the year was so bad, you would take your gun at midnight and you would shoot the old year away. That was the whole premise of it. You shoot the old, the old year away. Spiritually speaking, that's what we need to do. We need to say, that's gone. That's gone. It's over. That's over. We lost some folks. We lost some people that cared about us. We've had some divorces. We've had some breakups. We've had some broken hearts. We've had that, but it's done. Done. What the enemy wants to do is he wants to tie your legs there and he wants to keep you right there. You can't live in the past. You need to reach forward. You need to reach forward. So where's our hope? Our confident expectation, guys, in 2018 and beyond is leaving the past behind. Can I get an amen? Moving forward in faith. Can I get a good amen? And pressing in all that God has for us. Now, here's what I want to leave you with, okay? I want to close our Bible study this way. I want to close our Bible study with the last word Steve Jobs ever, uh, co-founder of Apple, you know who he is? Steve Jobs, 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 whatever. Right before he died, right before he died, this is what he wrote. This is what he wrote, and I want to leave them with you. Listen, here's what he says, okay? More money than you could say grace over. Very successful in the world's eyes. But right before he dies, he wrote this. I have come to the pinnacle of success in business. In the eyes of others, my life has been a symbol of success. However, apart from my work, I have little joy. Finally, my wealth is simply a fact to which I am accustomed. At this time... He writes, lying in this hospital bed, remembering all my life, I realize all the accolades and the riches of which I was once so proud have become insignificant with my imminent death. In the dark, 
when I look at the green lights of the equipment for the artificial respiration and feel the buzz of their mechanical sounds, I can feel the breath of my approaching death looming over me. Only now do I understand that once you accumulate enough money for the rest of your life, you have to pursue other objectives which are not related to wealth. It should be something more important. For example, stories of love, art, dreams of my childhood. No, stop pursuing wealth. It can only make a person into a twisted being just like me. God has made us one way. We can feel the love in our heart of each of us. It's not an illusion built by fame or money like I made in my life. I cannot take them with me. I can only take with me memories that were strengthened by love. This is true wealth that will follow you, will accompany you. He, he will give you strength and the light to go ahead. Love can travel thousands of miles, and so life has no limits. Move where you want to go. Strive to reach the goals you want to achieve. Everything in your heart and in your hands. What is the world's most expensive bed? The hospital bed. You, if you have money, you can hire someone to drive your car, but you cannot hire someone to take your illness that's killing you. Material things can be lost, or material, material things lost can be found. But one thing you can never find when you lose is life. Whatever stage of life where you are right now, at the end, we will all have to face the day when the final curtain falls. Steve writes, please treasure your family. Love your spouse. Love your friends. Treat everyone well and stay friendly with your neighbors. End quote. He had all the money in the world, all the success. Many of us and go, man, I'd like to spend a day in Steve's money, man. I'd like to. Here's what he's telling us, guys, it's not about that. What he's saying, guys, is that you and I, our star, our star of hope is not in Times Square. It's in Jesus. And here's what I'm asking you to do. Purpose to walk with him today in all of eternity. Please forget what has happened to you in the past. Let it go. Look forward to what God has. He wants to do great and mighty things. Don't tie his hands. Walk in faith. Will there be bumps in the road? Absolutely. Will there be, will there be obstacles in the road? Absolutely. But I wouldn't have it any other way. Because the, the prize at the end of this race is Jesus. And that's what you were created for. Listen, he didn't save you just to save you. He didn't save you and say, okay, that's it. Sit down in the corner. He saved you because he's got a plan and a purpose and it's far greater than anything you can imagine. But you have to be willing to step in that and willing to walk in that. And our God is a good God and he gives good gifts. And he loves you beyond anything. And if I can encourage you in 2018, walk in that. Quit condemning yourself. Quit it. You are loved. You are blessed. The 
the God of the universe has created you and he loved you so much. Listen, he bankrupted heaven so that you could be with him. He didn't just give you a peace. He didn't look for a high-ranking angel and say, oh, go save those people. They're just a bunch of sinners. He gave his very best so that you could be with him. See, it's not about money. It's not about success. It's not about power. It's not about fame. You know what it is? It's about taking every single moment, capturing it, and making it a memory. Guys, listen. We all have a bad habit of this. And we miss the moments. Let's purpose in 2018 that we're just going to not do that. That we're going to be there in the moment. And we're going to make memories. And we're going to love. And listen, let, let, me, let, me, let me let you on a little statistic. Did you know that a child laughs two to 400 times a day? And an adult laughs maybe two to four times a day. I think there's something to that, don't you? When was the last time you laughed that it hurt? We're all so serious. We're all, ah, we've got to make it work. Are you kidding me? Oh, nobody's going to do it for me. Listen, ask Steve. What, what really mattered on your deathbed? What really matters? Listen to me, family, friends, church, this family. See, God has called us to do life together. And he calls us to live and laugh and be a family. That's what he called us to do, make memories. And that's what we need to do today. Say goodbye, 2017. Say hello, we're ready. We're ready. The snow out there, guys, is just a beautiful reminder that your slate is clean. It's washed white as snow. That's how much God loves you. He said, listen, you've had some, you've had some tough times. It's clean. Let's start again. Father, your word is amazing, and we thank you, and we worship you, Lord, and we're holding on to hope, God. You are our hope. And tonight, Lord, to those of us who stay up and watch the ball drop, we'll remember this sermon that that's the star of hope, but that's not our star of hope. Our star of hope is Jesus Christ in whom we believe and we put our faith and trust. With confident expectation, I say welcome to 2018. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, 
please click on the donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.